We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so I can live with it. I can live with it. Alan Watson asks, hey, Alan, thank you for the super chat, buddy. I appreciate that. Are either of you attending the Navy game in Ireland? Nobody from Irish oh, Breakdown sir. will be at that game. It's just a very expensive trip. <laughs> very expensive trip. And we have some other reasons for not going. Um, but, yeah, it's primarily about the cost, to be honest with you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had another question from Billy D. Williams, who's in the chat. Uh, played Gail Sayers in uh, in a movie before, yep. so that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, what it's are awesome you in Star Wars? Yeah, that's pretty cool, was. right? He was in Star so, yes, Wars. You're right. Is. What are your thoughts on Al Golden and the changes, if any, he's made going into the season? Do you feel optimistic or pessimistic about him? Well, 
I, I can't really say that that I know what changes they're making because we don't know if the spring session was more about at like it, it, my hope is that it was more about we need to be a better blitz team. If we're going to blitz, we need to be better at it. So this is the emphasis in spring. And and, and that's okay. I don't mind if you're taking a part of your team and you're saying, we got to get better here. So a lot of our spring is going to be built on really improving this part of our game, even though it's not something we're going to blitz as much as we get to the spring or in the fall. I'm fine with that. Totally fine with that. And that would be smart as long. But if they're going to blitz just nonstop, like, you know, blitz all night, you know, that sounds cool in a movie. It's a great (laughs) movie quote. Great scene. Uh, practically speaking, it's not the greatest. Not idea. another yard. Yeah, I'm pulling every one of you out. Uh, you know, but um, you know, I I just don't know if I know enough about the changes that he's made. Now, there's some things we saw in practice where they were focusing a lot more on fundamentals and doing more team drill stuff, and or, I mean, uh, individual drill stuff in the practices we saw, which is all positives. But honestly, Billy D, I can't tell you that I've seen enough. Uh, I've seen enough about it. Here's my thing that I've always said: they're going to be better on defense than they were last year even if Al Golden doesn't change a thing because they're going to know the defense better. It's just yeah. simple as that. The Notre Dame defense got better in year two under Brian McGorder than it was in year one. Why? Because they knew the defense. He was still a terrible coach and a, a person that I don't care m- much for at all. But why were they better with the same players? Because they knew the defense better. So some of the mistakes they made, they didn't make the second year, even though his defensive scheme still sucked. Right. I don't think Al Golden's defensive scheme sucks. I just don't think it's as good as it could be. Right. As I've said before, Al Golden was not bad last year. He just wasn't as good as he needed to be last year. There's a big difference. Right. Notre Dame's defense was good last year. It just wasn't as good as it needed to be last year. It wasn't bad. And so it's going to be better this year. The question is, is that just a year of, well, now you have more players that have more time in the system? Because you've got a bunch of dudes coming back that have started football games at Notre Dame and even more number guys coming back that have played a lot, right? Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're going to be better there. The question is, it won't be sustainable if it's not a, a foundational change. Because what will happen, Ryan, is they'll mo- lose a bunch of linebackers next year and a bunch of D linemen and DBs or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're a young team again the next year and you're back to being a very high mistake-prone defense if you haven't made the foundational changes. But, you know, am I more optimistic about him? I'm more optimistic simply because it's year two. Sure. And and at the very least, that's what makes me optimistic. The rest, we'll have to wait and see because I just – it would be very unfair for me, Ryan, to assume that what we spawn in the spring was just what he wants to be. Because I've always advocated spring ball is about different things for different coaches. It depends on what you feel your team needs are. Maybe he just felt, hey, we blitz a lot. And we weren't very good at it last year. Our linebackers were pretty crappy blitzers last year. So if we're going to be a, if we're going to be a team that wants to blitz, we got to spend a lot of time because I feel blitzing is a lot like the pass game on offense, Ryan, where it's not just something you show up and do. It takes timing. It takes everybody being on the same page. It takes it, it takes your eyes singing a whole bunch, and it, and that's what they're working on. So if I'm going to get like rip out gold and say, "Wow, they blitz too much in practice," dude, you keep telling us that practice in the spring isn't this thing where you're, it's like a scrimmage every day, right? You always say it's time to work on certain foundational things. And then you're going to criticize the guy because you, because you assume he's not working on what you think. That would be very petty of me. Let me see what it looks like in the fall. And then if we see a team that blitzes 85, 90% of the time, then we can be critical of it. 
Again, because we could also last season. So yeah, it was very predictive. Yeah, it could all it could also be a thing, Ryan, where this is going to make them when they do. Maybe the blitz percentage doesn't change at all last year, but they're way better at it. They're because yes, it's not just better at blitzing, but better at not blitzing. Meaning, can you can can you you don't want to just line up in your base defense. And when you line up in your base defense, you're either going to blitz or you're going to play base defense. But if you show blitz, you're going to blitz. You need to be able to play base defense out of different looks where you're. it looks like you're coming and then you smoke and your guys got to get really good at because dropping underneath a, a hook curl from the line of scrimmage because you're smoking a blitz is going to be a whole lot different than when you're four and a half yards off, your heels are at four and a half and you're sitting in the B gap you know, with your hands on your knees like a normal linebacker stance. So you got to work on that. Hey, man, you don't have just one way to get up underneath that end cut. You're coming from the line of scrimmage. Here's what your technique is looking like on that particular play. Right. And so those are and hey safeties, here's how you fit properly when we're showing in this look. There's a lot that goes into being a good blitz team. So yeah. if what they're doing is simply saying, when we blitz, we're gonna be really freaking good at it. Some games we may blitz more than other games, but when we do, we're gonna be good at it because we're also gonna be able to disguise it better and all that stuff. If that's what they're doing, Ryan, then I have no problem with what they did this spring. And matter of fact, I'll commend the heck out of them for doing that in the spring. If they're gonna blitz 90% of the time then I have a problem with that sure. because it just, I just don't think that works. So I can't tell you for sure that I'm opti- you know, pessimistic about that or not. I just think it'd be unfair for me to jump on that bandwagon one way or the other. I'm just going to say they spent a lot of time getting better at blitzing this spring. We're going to find out in the fall why they spent so much time on it. And then I'll let you know if it was, if it was a smart idea or not. I, I can't wait. I can't wait until they have coach golden mic'd up and he's just gonna be like, and they're going to remember forever <laughs> the night they played the Irish. Yeah. Hey, if, if uh, here's the deal, I'm okay with them showing that if he is mic'd up and says that, because the only way they play that is if they win and yes. it's a big game. Right. So I, I, I can everybody it. put your favorite. Uh, remember the Titan quote in the chat right now. Go yeah. do it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, we have a super chat from John Bertucci, some money for Bruce's subscription. So just what he's referring to here, there's a member of our message board who put it on the board today that, uh, he got some bad news. He's he's had cancer before, and he's had he's, he had, went through chemo for it, and he got some bad news today. Not completely bad news yet, but they're concerned that they're going to do some more tests and they could get some more bad news. So keep Bruce in your in your prayers. And uh, you guys don't ever have to give me money f- for a subscription like that. I appreciate it, John. But somebody somebody else reached out and said, "Hey, I'd like to pay for you know Bruce's subscription." If there's ever a member that's going through something like that that wants to stay on the board, we have done this before in the past. We will do it again. I just don't advertise it because it's just it's between me and that person uh, and those people. But I've comped memberships before. It's it's I have no problem doing that. Zero problem doing that. So I don't need someone to pay for that person's subscription. I'll pay for it because it's not coming out of my pocket. It's just we're not charging him. Right. So. But the fact that there's been people that have done this, what John's doing, and people to offer to pay it is just another example of why this community is amazing. Yeah. You know, and and why I, I love y'all so much and enjoy doing this and why we do shows every day. Why wouldn't I do a show every day when we get to hang out with y'all and talk football with y'all and, and the kind of people that we have here? So, uh, John, I appreciate that very much, man. Very, very much. We have another one here from um, from Nathan Hill, right? I'm going to read this one because I want to get your immediate thoughts on it. Nathan Hill says, hot take. Justin Fields will be a top five MVP MVP player. We can go with it two ways, Ryan. One is this upcoming year or at any point in time in his career. 
I'll, I'll have you respond to both of them. Oh, any time in his career makes it so up in the air, man. But, <laughs> I don't well, like that then, then you're saying you think he's a guy that has the talent to potentially be that guy. Is that what you're I saying? I mean, sure. If the roster is made a certain way, I mean, it's sure. possible. I, 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 I think if we're talking about this season, though, Nathan, if, if that's kind of where your thought process is coming from, mm-hmm. I'll sell that all day. And it's not even so much about Justin. It's that the fact that MVPs are always on winning teams, right? And I just... I don't. I think the Bears would be better than they were last year, but I still don't think they're gonna be a very good team this year. Like, there's just still so many holes, man. I mean, that team, craziest stat. I said this one on the podcast before. That team defensively had 20 sacks last year in 17 games, and their leading sacker mm. on the team was Jaquan Brisker, who plays safety for the Bears. Like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, man. The offensive line needs to continue to get retooled. The defense has a lot of holes in it, like. Uh, your wide receiver should be a little bit better because you have DJ Moore, but I don't know, man. I, I just look at that Bears team and I say, if, especially if you're talking about 2023, there's a lot of retooling that needs to happen. If the Bears get to a point where they're a good football team, a good roster in a few years, could I could Justin Fields be that guy? It's possible. I mean, it's possible, but I, I just I would sell the take as of right now. I would sell the take. It is a hot take. That it's is very for hot. sure. And it I respect definitely... hot takes, man. I yes. respect them over here. Yes, definitely a hot take. And we, we, as you said, we definitely appreciate those. Uh, Connor Grant with a super chat. I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, uh, thank you, Connor, for that one. I appreciate that. Connor says, you mentioned earlier this week how Penn State has elite talent but never puts it together. What exactly is holding them back? Ryan, I think you can give that answer in two words, correct? So great James talent. Well, there Franklin. you go. <laughs> I, Head coach, I mean, really, James that's Franklin. it, guys. That's it. I just don't think they're a very well-coached football team, Ryan. I mean, it's it's not talent. You and I were talking about this very thing last night. You started mentioning all these, like, really good edge rushers. And then yeah. we're, like, looking at their production, and you're like, why don't these guys produce? Like, these guys are freaky talents. Why don't they produce like you'd think that they would produce? So it's a very weird program because that's just one of the more athletic teams you're going to see. And they recruit well, but it just never – it never pans out. It just – they just – they've had some 11-2 seasons, but they they have, like – their 11 and 2 seasons are a lot like Notre Dame's 11 and 2 season in, in 2019, where like they go 0 and 2 against the only two good teams they play and they just beat up on everybody else. You know, that's they're what a flawed their 11 and 2s look you like. Know yeah, they're a flawed team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's James Franklin, man. I don't, I don't know what else to say about that other than James Franklin. But he's also a big reason why they have so much talent. So it's a catch 22, Ryan, because he's a big reason they recruit the way that they do. Right, he's very Brian Kelly-ish of him. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll say this: if if Brian Kelly recruited the way that James Franklin recruits, Brian Kelly would have a national championship in Notre Dame, in my opinion, because Brian Kelly's a better coach than James Franklin is. At least sure. was for most of his career. He just wasn't nearly the recruiter, nor did he try to be the recruiter, which is a big problem. Is what it is. At least his golf game's good. From yes. Jay Clampett Investments, <laughs> thank you so much for the super chat. Really do appreciate it. He said, hey, Brian and Ryan, finally catching a live show. Thank you for being here. It's been a while. Odd question. If Notre Dame didn't take Sam Hartman and brought someone in with Buckner's stat line, what would be your response, perception of the move? What would Notre Dame fans think? So I get where he's coming with this one, Ryan, right? Like we're talking about looking at it from a Bama standpoint. Like how should Bama fans feel about it? Like if Notre Dame did what Bama did, I'd be I'd be very nervous because here's the response. Okay, I see a kid with a lot of talent, a kid that's got some very dynamic things that he's done, 
guy that was very highly regarded coming out of high school, but his production stinks. He's been hurt a lot. I'd be very nervous about what that's going to do to my quarterback room, if we're being honest. I mean, part of the reason we're excited about Sam Hartman, Ryan, is what? We've seen him do it for almost 13,000 yards and 110 touchdown passes. And a guy that's got double-digit rushing touchdowns in his career. So there's a level of, I know what I'm getting. The biggest thing with Tyler Buckner, and what's the one position you don't want to not know what you're getting, Ryan? It's quarterback quarterback. more than any others. I mean, that I'd be very – I'd be – I would sit here and I would I, – what Ryan and I would do is we would tell y'all, this is a talented kid. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of ability. If everything hits, this kid could be really, really good. But – and then yeah. it's all the concerns. This is a kid who has more interceptions in his career than touchdowns, passes. Now, that's a misleading stat because he has a lot more total – he has more total touchdowns than, than interceptions because he's a dynamic runner and you can't just ignore the – you can't ignore the rushing stats for Tyler Buckner because that's a big part of his game. And, and, but man, the butts would be, you know, he, he misses layups, right? I mean, Ryan, like right, injury prone. Um, there's a, there's a lot of concerns there that, that as people that follow the team every day, we say, boy, if you can clean this stuff up, this kid could be really good. But if I'm an outsider that hasn't followed Tyler Buckner's career the last two years, Ryan, I don't blame Alabama fans for being not happy about this being your portal quarterback. Are you, I mean, even knowing what we know about Tyler Buckner, I can understand why they'd be very nervous about that one. I mean, and they're just there would be very limited op- optimism right now. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of optimism around Notre Dame fans right now, at least offensively. You're like, yeah, man, this is going to be one of the. We literally just had a question. Brian was like, Sam Harbin could be the best quarterback that we've had since Brady Quinn. You know, like <laughs> it's very optimistic. It really no is. one's and, asking Alabama that. Right, exactly. Is, is he the best quarterback since Joe Namath? Like, I don't know, man. Maybe <laughs> we'll see what happens. Like, it's Kenny Stabler. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, that's where we are, though, man. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of optimism about Sam Hartman because there is a proven commodity. There's a known, like, you can quantify how good he's been in his career with statistics. You can't do that with what's Tyler Buckner is, and that, that doesn't mean that Tyler can't be good. I think that Tyler could be good. But there's a lot of risk involved yeah. in that situation. And Notre Dame, I mean, what's the, what's the spot we've been in, Brian? It's like there's just been too much unknown over quarterback recent years, right? Where it's just like you have a known now. It, the known now is can you win a championship, right? Like that's the next unknown. But the known, I think, is that I'd be shocked if Sam Hartman wasn't at least a pretty good quarterback at Notre Dame, you know, if not an excellent quarterback, like that's the range for him, but there's a possibility where Tyler Buckner goes to Alabama and he might not start this year or he could be good. Like there's a really right. large range of outcomes for Tyler at, in Tuscaloosa this year. Yeah, no, there is. I'd, I'd be nervous about it. All right, here we, we go. We Let's had a super chat track. from Michael Hughes. Michael, thank you so much. Will Notre Dame USC finally be epic in 2023, like in 2005? Hmm. Depends what the records are at the time. I mean, well, I, I think guess, that's I think that's points. what he's referring to because they've played some really good games. Yeah, in in recent years, right, right. I mean, there's been some really competitive games. I think the 2010 game was really competitive, but neither of them were any good <laughs> in 2010. And then um, the la- the only time they've the two times they've played in the last ten years, I believe, where they were both ranked. They were both kind of convincing wins for one team over the other. So Notre Dame blew USC out in 2017 when they were. 11 and three that year yeah and then obviously usc beat notre dame by 11 this past year every other year one team is not ranked 
but I could see it, man. I, Michael, I could see this year where they're both top 10. It all depends on can Notre Dame beat Ohio State, right? That's the only way Notre Dame's going to be top 10 going to that game. But I, if Notre Dame can beat top, somehow beat Ohio State, I think USC has a shot to be undefeated going into that game. It's not a given, but they have a shot, in my opinion, to be there because, you know, you look at USC schedule this year and – let me just pull it up here real quick. There's some, there's some, there's some good games on there, but it's it's not a it's not a gauntlet for USC this year. But it's a it's an okay schedule. San Jose yeah. State, Nevada, uh, Stanford should be three and zero bye week. Then you're at Arizona State, at Colorado, and then home against Arizona. Those are all winnable games. The Notre Dame stretch is when their schedule ramps up. So they should be five and zero or six and zero coming into Notre Dame. Notre Dame at should be at worst five and one, six and one coming into that game, right? Uh, hopefully undefeated, and that'd be an ep- that would make for an epic game. It's possible that it's going to be easier for USC to be undefeated then. But here's here's where their schedule gets crazy, Ryan. They get at Notre Dame, yep. home against Utah, at Cal, home against Washington, at Oregon, home against UCLA, and then probably a rematch against one of those teams in the Pac-12 title game. So, first half of their season warm up. Second half of their season is is much tougher. Now they do get some, some of those teams at home, which helps, you know, they get Washington at home, they get UCLA at home, Utah at home. So, you know, three of their four toughest games in their conference are at home, but then you also throw in the non-conference at Notre Dame. It's, it's, it's a challenging second half schedule. I'll say this, a 12 and one USC team against that schedule is going to have a pretty good, pretty should, should probably be a playoff team in my opinion, unless that one loss is just like a blowout loss of somebody. But I, if like let's say they go twelve and one right and they lose to Notre Dame in a down the down the down to the wire game and Notre Dame ends up ten and two or eleven and one against Oregon, Washington, UCLA, Utah, that's a pretty good resume in my yeah. opinion. That should make them playoff caliber, playoff worthy in my opinion. I don't the think they have to be undefeated to go in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, like, I mean, Michael, to the question, I, I hope, I mean, I, again, I want Notre Dame to obviously be a very good football team. I want USA to be really good because I think the best part of college football, even more than the NFL, because the NFL has rivalries, but I think rivalries and college football is what separates a little bit from my love for college football versus the NFL. I mean, I've grown up disliking Michigan and USC, like grown up with that distaste in my heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want that rivalry to continue on and to be a big part of the season absolutely that's what made college football great man is those rivalries that's the best part is seeing the fans in the stands going wild big game and those epic moments uh, moments to your question so i hope so i hope so yeah that's really it's gonna be a big yeah. moment man it's gonna be a big, like yeah. it'll be great to beat ohio state because they're a midwest rival to a degree right it'll be great to beat clemson but you've beaten Clemson a couple times. And the when you talk about the rivalries in Notre Dame history, USC is one of them, man. Like that's a it's, team that it's you my hate. it's my number one. It's my you hate number him. one. You hate it. I don't so, I don't yeah. view I know I know that I'm big time in the minority here. And so I know a lot of you aren't gonna agree with me on this. I get it, but at least I've always been honest about it or consistent with it. I don't view Michigan as a rival. I don't. Or if, if, if they, they are to a degree, but like they're not one of my top three rivals. I I could not could not care less about ever playing Michigan in the regular season again. Just don't care. It just, I just dislike the program. The rivalry never meant a whole lot to me. The USC game always meant more to me. Uh, just growing up, I Michigan State game meant more to me. And then when you know the backstory of of Michigan's, you know, 
what Michigan's role in keeping Notre Dame out of the Big Ten on multiple occasions, you just get to the point you don't even I don't even hate them. I just dislike them and don't respect them as a program in a lot of different ways. And so the Bo Schembuckler era made that a little harder because I did respect him as a coach. I thought he was a great coach, and, and Lloyd Carr yeah. seemed like a decent guy. But uh, I just I, I could not care less about playing Michigan. If USC went off the schedule, that would bum me out. And I've made some comments, you know, like, hey, if USC is going to do this, just whatever, just drop it, right? But, I mean, it's still the rivalry that I care the most about. That and the Navy rivalry are still the ones I care the most about to me. So I, I, I love Lloyd Carr, man. He made it, he has a great grandson, I heard. Yes. So it's yes. good. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I know some people that know Lloyd Carr in, in the coaching world, and, and I've always heard good things about him as a person. And I always, yeah, I always I've, like he- I've heard like similar things. Yeah. I've heard similar things about Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this the thing is, is I, I don't have to like you as a coach if you're a good guy. And that's the other thing I don't dislike about James Franklin. Some of the stuff you hear about his role in the the cover up of the hazing stuff going on at Penn State, and then you have the rape allegation at Vanderbilt. Like he just seems like a scummy dude, also yeah. to me. You know what I mean? And that's just another reason I dislike him. On top of him being a constant underachiever as a football coach, when you consider the talent that he had, he has consistently has. It, it's um, yeah. But like Lincoln Riley, I dislike. I just don't think he's a good guy. Lloyd Carr, Bo Schembeck. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a bad guy at all. I just think he's weird. He's very like, weird. <laughs> I've never heard anything bad about him. Like, you know, he does Personally. stuff in the community and all that. He's just weird. It's a bit arrogant, but most former NFL quarterbacks have a little bit of that to him. I would probably be that way if I was a former NFL quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just weird. He's just a strange dude, man. He, he looks I, – well, I was going to say he looks like one of the guys that eats his own boogers, but they literally have caught him on TV <laughs> eating his own boogers. So he yeah, definitely is one of those guys. <laughs> this thing's getting off the rails. Let's get back on track to these Brock I mean, I, I didn't I didn't make him do yeah. it, man. He just Brock Fonville, thank you for that super chat, buddy. I really appreciate that very, very much. David Prevo with another super chat for doing the right thing. Very cool community. Thank you. Thank you for that. This is a very cool community there's no doubt about it. Let's get to some more questions here, Ryan. Let's go back up here to John a one. John a one says now that's the, sorry. Now that the spot for number two quarterback is open, how does the competition behind Hartman aid in the development of the young quarterbacks on the roster? Will the current circumstances speed up their player developments? It has a chance to, because he sometimes Ryan, when you get thrust in these types of situations, what can happen is, you get too much put on you too early and, and mentally you start having to focus on like, I got to learn the defense. I got to learn the offense. I got to learn this. I got to learn that. And I can't learn the technical aspects of it because you get thrust into the situation too quickly. But when you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, the reps and the opportunity and looking at it from a quarterback, because what you always tell your backup quarterback is I need you to prepare every day. Like you're the starter. Like you're going to, you, you need to, you can't go into a game just like, all right, cool. I'm the backup. I'm chilling. I got my red hat on. I got my sunflower seeds in and I'm good to go. No, you're, you're locked in every play. Like I'm about, you're about to have to go into the game. I think that's good for a starting court can be, can be very good for, for a young quarterback from a development standpoint. And just as long as the coach is able to still focus on the technical aspects that a young quarterback tends to need as well, I think it, it could help it. But by and large, it, if the coach is doing his job, I think what this does is this does speed up the development for Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie quite a bit. Yeah, it does. Because yeah, one does. of them is going to be the backup. So let's just say Steve Angeli's the backup. He's clearly going to get more first-team reps than he would have gotten if Tyler Buckner was here. That should help him. 
he's going to have to start preparing mentally different than he would have been as a third-team quarterback. Now you have Kenny Minchie kind of being that number three guy. Some weeks he'll be scout team, some weeks he'll be up. But you're going to have to expedite his learning process, learning curve and learning process as well because before it was kind of like, well, we've got probably got a couple of years before Kenny really is going to have to really truly compete for the starting job. Now it's, okay, next spring. It's time. Kenny, yeah. you're yeah. going to be in the battle for the starting quarterback job, most likely, barring a, you know, a, a – another Sam Hartman being out there. And I, I don't know how much I want to continue that process to be honest yeah. with you. We could, I mean, it just, we just have to see how these kids develop over the next year, but it certainly speeds that up. But if it's, if yeah. the coaching is, I just, I'll say this, right. If the coaching is right, it should be a benefit to both of them and put them in a better position to actually challenge for that starting job next year. That's, that's where I'll, that's where I, I kind of come down on it. I think the word that you hit on is expedite. Like it's, it's grow up yeah. time for those two kids, man. Like it is. And it, it's, I mean, we're talking about a probably a 19 year old kid and an 18 year old kid and Kenny Minchie, right? It's like, they're both young cats, but one of them, whoever it ends up being the backup quarterback is going to be one pl- bad play away mm-hmm. from being the starting quarterback at the university of Notre Dame. That's the facts that you work with. But again, I, I talked about this with the coaching stuff earlier, Brian, in this podcast, it's like, Nobody comes to play at Notre Dame if they're scared of pressure, right? Like no one comes and does that, or at least the players don't succeed at Notre Dame if you're afraid of pressure in the end. Mm-hmm. So I think that both those kids are going to be up for the opportunity as far as the challenge that's in front of them. And I'm going to be excited to watch that one in this off season and going into the fall, because again, like the backup quarterback position is one where people don't talk about it enough, but it matters so much. I mean, we've talked we we talked the other day about how important backup quarterback has been in some seasons for Notre Dame. Like it's been incredibly important. I mean, think about the career of Tommy Reese as the backup quarterback and how important he was for this team during his time here. So I, I really think that those kids are just going to be expedited a lot. They're going to be forced to grow up a lot, and we'll see which one takes the advantage of the opportunity. Hopefully, both of them step up to the plate and are ready to go because that'll strengthen the room overall. But I mean. The backup quarterback position is going to be very important for the University of Notre Dame. Whether Sam Hartman is the guy, well, whether Sam Hartman is a record-setting quarterback at Notre Dame or he's just a really good player, it'll still be important because you need some insurance behind you. Mm, we got one. Let's get down here. Let's get one from Tommy Guns. Let's uh, let's let's go down there with uh, Tommy Guns here. We got an interesting walk-on uh, question here. Th- this one's not the one I wanted. Uh, Tommy Guns mm-hmm. said. If Notre Dame doesn't fill out to 85 through the portal, what three walk-on players would you like to see a scholarship for this year? Well, I mean, Luke Talich is probably one that comes to mind simply because I, it would en- enhance the chances that you keep them. That would be one. I'm trying to think of a couple other guys. Actually, let me pull up our roster at Irish Breakdown because I have actually yeah. asterisks by the guys that are walk-ons, so it'll help me um remember that but uh there's definitely here's one for sure like uh marty hour after the way he played this spring uh, yeah, that's blue goal game he was on fire yeah. man, and, and ryan alley. dude he did that every <laughs> single game every single practice that we were at like he, he wasn't was there a good corner one. is it isaiah dunn isaiah dunn yeah. he's yeah. another one to consider he's yeah. he had, he, he's a talented player yeah I'm trying to think who'd be number three well, i gotta think about that i'll tell you what i, I was impressed by what kobe on did oh 45 well yeah 45 yeah, yeah. He, he looked really good in the blue gold game man he played really well yep he's he'd be one and then you know I, this is for ryan but zach yokum means you're starting kickoff guy he was good he was at it too good. last year 
Yeah, he's good at it. He's yeah. pretty good at it. So that that'd be one. Now he looks like he's twelve. My wife took a picture of him and the long snapper uh, Reno. Uh, what's his name? Reno uh, Monteforte. Monteforte. Yeah, and yeah. Both like really little. Like Reno's five seven. Zach Yoakum's like five eight, and they both look like they're twelve. I mean, it was yes. hilarious. And they're both wearing Notre Dame uniforms. But I'm like, you know what? Like Reno's a pretty good snapper, and Zach's got a strong leg. But when I sure I'd does. never seen him with his helmet off before. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like that that kid right there is the one booming kickoffs like out of the end zone. Like, seriously? Well, I mean, He's Brian, you remember leg, you remember Blake Groupie though, man. Blake Groupie was a young but looking guy. Groupie's <laughs> little, but Blake looked yeah. like an adult. Like, if you looked at Blake here, he looks like an adult. He looks like yeah. he's in his 20s. Like when I saw a picture of Zach Yokum, I'm like, this kid looks like he's like like 13 years old. I mean, he really looks young. And then you watch him kick and you're like, wow, okay. This guy's got a this guy's got a leg. And like, all right, because, you know, sometimes you see a, a kid in pads and you see what he does and you think, well, this is what he's going to look like, you know, because the way he plays and then he takes his helmet off. You're like, that wasn't what I was expecting. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, I, was, right. I was expecting this little kicker that looks like, you know, this little, you know, guy that looks like he's, you know, grown real strong, powerful leg. And he just looks like a little kid, but he's got a great leg. I mean, for a kickoff guy, he's got a really, really good leg, man. My, my favorite is when you get a voice, you hear someone's voice for the first time. Yeah. And it was not what you were expecting. Yeah. I had that moment with Tariq Bracey where I was like, oh, that's what Tariq sounds like. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one thing I learned when I started doing recruiting is you see picture these kids and they look like these big, strong kids and then you talk to them and you're like oh that's right this kid's still only 16 how, years how you old doing, Mr. Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> it's wild it's wild um or or you see a kid and, and he's got like a, a an accent that you weren't expecting you know like a uh, real country accent like those always kind of catch me a little bit off guard is is the is the country accents but uh yeah yeah that, that's always fun because you always you always assume things about somebody right i mean it just it's human nature you see a guy like i bet you he's going to be like that or i bet you he looks like that or whatever and then you see him and you're like that's eh, not what i was expecting not what i was expecting here's an interesting ryan i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this one from john a1 he says how does sam hartman compare to mac jones as a college quarterback as a college quarterback I mean, I, I, I'm always a skill set guy, right, John? So, like, I'm comparing, like, what I see from them on the field from, like, how they are successful quarterbacks. I I think they're a little bit different. I, well, actually, I think, I, th I think they're considerably different, to be honest. I mean, one is just size perspective. Mac was, like, 6'3", 215 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. So, he's a little bit taller than Sam. Sam is much more – I also think that Mac was a little bit sturdier in the pocket. But I also think that Sam is a better athlete out, out of structure. Like he can get out of bad situations, I think, a little bit better can, with his. Can legs. I interrupt you and ask you a question, Ryan? When you yeah. say sturdier in the pocket, can you just explain what you do? Do you mean by that? And do you yeah. think if if it means what I think you think it means, not what you think it means, but what if I think if I'm right on what I think you say it means? Yeah. Is that is that factor into like the style of offense? One guy playing in a pro style and the other guy playing in that that mesh stuff, or are you thinking of something different? So I'm just kind of curious what you what you mean by that before you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I when I when I made that comment, I'm talking about like I think that I think it's more like a size profile okay, thing. Gotcha. Like he's sturdier gotcha. in the pocket in the sense of like he's going to handle a little bit of like you know someone getting past him and getting a little knock to him and being able gotcha. to withstand the pressure a little bit more, in my opinion. But okay. I think Sam Hartman is considerably more elusive in the pocket and the ability to get outside of structure. And I also think that Sam is a little bit better of a consistent deep ball thrower 
But mm-hmm. Mac, I mean, the thing that Mac was so good at at Alabama is last year, he's such a quick processor, man. Like he gets yeah. through his stuff incredibly fast. So I, I think they're considerably different, John. I mean, I think there's some Agreed. things that they both do well. Like there's some things that are comparable in the sense of like, I think their ball placement are both, you know, very good. I think that they could both structure in similar offenses if you needed them to. But I mean, Max is taller, a little sturdier, a little more accurate just overall. But Sam's better outside of structure, ability to throw the ball deep. So I just think they're a little bit different. It's kind of funny, Ryan, because if you look at the statistics, Mac Jones is a much better deep ball thrower than Sam Hartman was at uh, Wake Forest. Although, you know, um, when when you look at – actually, let me pull up uh, Sam's la- – actually, last two years. Just give me a second because I had the wrong numbers up. Um, Sam threw – Mac was a, a higher percentage deep ball guy. He was like 33 of 56. I don't think Sam's been over 50% the last two years. He was at 45 last year, 45, 46 year before. Much higher percentage. Mac was at uh, 58.9, which is a great – Completion yeah. percentage on 20-plus round. But if you go back and watch him play, he was throwing to wide-open guys a lot. The scheme was getting guys wide open. I think your point, though, Mac was would throw the deep ball. It was a lot of times schemed open. He wasn't a guy that just came out and just, let's just chuck it all day. I mean, in, in right. 13 games, I think he threw 56. For comparison's sake, I think Sam Hartman's been over 90 the last two years. Sam's uh, definitely got at, a lot more Force. gunslinger than oh, Mac does yeah. too. Like Mac's like processor, yeah. get the ball out. Processor, that was going to be my out, thing. Yeah, Sam's that backyard. Sam grew up playing quarterback in a backyard, yeah. right? Like Mac Jones grew up playing quarterback in a lab. Uh, he didn't really, but I'm making the point. But it's just like it's efficient footwork, efficient quickness, process, get the ball out. It's just all, you know, in in. To your point though, Ryan, I do think Mac showed in the Notre Dame game. I, I didn't really know how Mac. Jones would handle being pressured like with pass rush until the Notre Dame game. He did a great job. I mean, there was three or four times at least in the first half where he spun out of a blitz and found a guy open. And that impressed me. They're very different types of quarterbacks overall. There are some things yeah. that are similar, but they're very different type of quarterbacks. Different overall. athletes in general yeah. too. So yeah. Yeah. And I think Sam's more athletic to, I think you made the point, Ryan, he can do more things like sort of off script. Ab- ab- yeah. 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 That's why I say he's a street baller type of guy more so than, than anything else. So yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. All right, here, Ryan, I'm going to read this one. It's a draft one. He says, Ryan, who do you like more? Will Levis or the guy Tennessee drafted last year from Ole Miss? That's Matt Corral. The Tennessee draft Matt Corral last year as well. Was was it Tennessee that drafted him? No, I I think that who drafted? Oh no, the Panthers drafted Matt Corral last year. Yeah. Carolina Panthers. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, who do you, who do you like better between those two guys? I I mean, I like Will Levis better for the NFL personally. I I just, Matt Corral was a very gimmicky college quarterback, you know, that system obviously with Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin took a lot of, I think he made him a lot better and he put him in a good position to be successful. And I think that there are some good traits that Matt Corral has. I think he's a pretty quick twitch athlete. I think he can run the football a little bit, but I just think that Will Levis is a just more talented football player. I, I I'm I'm since I think Tommy's a Tennessee fan. Yeah. I'm wondering if he maybe met Malik Willis. I just looked up their draft last year and Malik Willis, who was from Liberty. Malik Willis didn't go to Ole Miss, man. He go to Ole Miss. I, I, I'm correcting him. Oh, I I'm think correcting Tommy, man. I'm coming at Tommy yes. right now. Uh so what about I mean I 
so compare the two Malik Will Levis or Malik Willis. Uh, which one do you like? More? I, I mean, I, I don't like either one very much, to be honest. Like I, I, I like Matt Corral less than both of those guys, but I was I wasn't a Malik Willis guy. I just don't think he sees the game very well. Like I just and honestly, they have similar situ- they have similar weaknesses in that regard. I, I do think that Will Levis has more passing upside than what Malik has. Malik is a better athlete. There's no doubt, but I just I was always missing it with Malik Willis, man. I just I don't think he sees the game very quickly or efficiently and just struggle with that kid. So I don't like either mm-hmm. one of them, Tommy, to your to your question, I guess. Yeah. N- n- both were project. Yeah, I just yeah, neither are NFL quarterbacks for me. I, I guess it, at least Malik Willis was a really good athlete, I guess, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Will Levis is strong, I guess. Yes. All right. We have a uh we have something here from Domer Grizz. Domergrass says, happy Friday. You too, sir. The Muffet McGraw interview on IB Nation was great. Who has been your favorite person you have interviewed live for a show? What about for an article? Wow. Well, I thought the I thought the Marcus Freeman interview we did here when he was the defensive coordinator was really good. I thought he gave great answers. It was He was engaging. It was a lot. It wasn't what I expected, to be honest with you. Because I want to interview assistant coaches. I don't ever have super high expectations, but I thought that was probably my favorite um, interview we did here. And we've done a lot of good ones. I mean, we have Oscar McBride on, we've had Reggie Brooks yeah. on, we've, you know, we've had a lot of different people Urchin on Barry. Yeah. 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 And uh, the favorite one I ever did for an article, honestly, was probably Clark Lee because I was interviewing him for preseason magazine at blue and gold when I was still there. And I always liked doing that. Cause I like to sit down. It's just my only chance to sit down and, and talk to these coordinators really. And the SID at the time came in and he was like, Hey, you know, you got 30 minutes, whatever. Well, he came in after like an hour and he was like, Hey, you know, wrap it up. And Co- coach Lee was like, you know, we're good. And he told him basically told him to leave and not, not in a disrespectful way, but like, no, nah, Hey, we're good. You know, I don't have get out of my face. No, it wasn't anything like that. It was like it was summertime. Kidding. It was, it was, you know, there was not, not else, else going on. And he was just like, you know, Hey, we're good. So he left and we sat there for like over two hours and the interview was like, I turned the interview off. Like I'd stopped the recording like at 45 minutes. Cause we, I got all my questions done and we were just talking ball and he was so welcoming and, and, and respectful too. Like a lot of, a lot of, there's a decent number of coaches that will talk to media people. And they just like, it's almost like we're wasting their time. We don't know anything. Why are we, why do they have to do this? Coach Lee was very welcoming and very engaging. And he, he treated me with respect as far as football knowledge. He, he, kind of assumed that I knew certain things. And so he didn't talk down to me. I think he knew that I was a coach in the past. Cause he, he said things that you'd expect someone who was a coach to know. And uh, just, I, I so enjoyed that conversation because it was just sitting in the office recorder off and we're just talking ball, man. And that's not really an option right now with the way things are running Notre Dame right now, but um, it is what it is. But I, I wish they would do more stuff like that. Allow us to get to know these guys a little bit more and, and, um, you know, there's different things I wish they would do, but that was a great interview. That because you just have a greater understanding of who Clark Lee is. You know, he starts talking about his kids, and you know, you get to. I'm like, man, this is a this is a cool. I mean, and Clark Lee and I don't agree on politics. We're from different parts of the country, and but it's just like, man, it's just this is a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. a good guy, respectful guy that I respect. Uh, cares about being a good dad. Cares about being a good husband. Stuff like that. And I just, I. I like guys like that. It's one of the things I respect about Marcus Freeman. Like you just, he wants to be a good dad. He wants to be a good husband. He wants to, you know, it, that stuff matters as much to him as being a football coach in Notre Dame. And I just, I, it's one thing I always respect. I, Mike Elson's another one that I always respect about that. Mike Mickens is that way. You know, 
very much cares about being a good dad and a good husband and things like that to his daughter. I, I just, I, you're, I, I have a great deal of, because it's not, it's, it's hard. I mean, Ryan, when I was coaching, it was hard for me to be a good husband. I didn't even have kids, right. you know, it's part of the reason I got out of coaching because it was hard for me to be that way. So guys that are able to do it and do it at this level, just as human beings, I have a great deal of respect for them. And, um, you know, that, that was what I enjoyed, got so much. Cause I didn't know that about Clark Lee until that interview. I didn't know Clark Lee. I'd never talked to Clark Lee. I need nothing like that, but that was, a that was a cool experience to be able to sit down and just talk ball with him for a while. I wish I could do more of that kind of stuff with coaches, but yeah, that doesn't really happen like that anymore. Yeah. But uh good question. Ryan. What would your answer be, man? Done a lot of cool interviews in my life, man. So yeah, you've done a lot of draft stuff too, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, can I say one thing? The yeah. coolest interview I was ever part of is when I was at the draft a few right before COVID hit and John Elway was there. I mean that but that I was see. more the fanboy in me, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that was like, Oh my god, I'm sitting there in an interview with John Elway. <laughs> this is really cool, you know. But that was the that was I, that was a little different deal. I really enjoyed some of the recruiting parents that we had on the uh, on the signing day show this past year. Like mm-hmm. Shonda Gray was awesome. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her so. her dynamic with Christian is, is so hysterical. much fun. It's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Pendleton's mom was amazing on that show. Remember Tyson's Ford's mom we had the year before on signing day. She was awesome. Yeah. Joe Otting's uh, mom. Yeah. 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 I just like it when uh, when we were talking to Joe Otting's mom and she made and this is in a different like not during that show, but yeah. in a different interview. And she like made sure that we knew that uh, she's the reason Joe's such a good basketball yes. player. <laughs> yes. yes. That yes. was awesome. Oh man. And that Debbie Otting, awesome. I felt so bad when we did the signing day show. Cause the, uh, the Peyton Bowen news had just broken and she was like, yeah. just a champ through it. I was like, Oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Next question from Golden Zomer says, Ryan, let's say Tyler Buckner plays up to his potential this year. If he were to enter the 2024 NFL draft, where would you mock him to get picked? Oh, man. I didn't even read that one through, Ryan. Otherwise, I'd have read it to you. But, uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. I, I mean, go ahead, man. Just, I'm very curious to your answer on this one. I just don't have a great answer for this one right now, man. How can like, you? There's so much context to this question. Like, I, I yeah. mean, one, it's it's pertinent to what the draft class looks like. You know, like what, how many other great quarterbacks are in the class? What does the class look like just from a depth perspective? Is it top heavy? Is it spread out? Is it a, lo- a lackluster class? Like, I have no idea what that's going to look like. And also, you could say live up to his potential, but there are some things that Tyler Buckner could do in his game that are from a college potential aren't as translatable to the next level, right? As far as what 
traits that he has that can make him a great college football player. So I just think there's so much context here. Tell you what, Golden Domer, ask if Tyler Buckner balls out at Alabama this year, ask me this like later in the season when I can watch a little bit of film on him. I think that, that would be a much more, a better answer at that point because I'd have a little bit more context of like, what is this draft class going to look like? You know, just what what areas was Tyler really, really good in this year? Yeah. What translates 100%? There's just so much that we have to figure out in that situation. The injury stuff would hurt him a little bit too. I mean, it just it just would. That would be something. It would be interesting. It'd be very, very interesting to see how that uh, see how it played out. And then the other part too, Ryan, is where where who else steps up this year? Yeah. Like, does Brennan Armstrong get back on track? Does Devin Leary get back on track? Who's the bre- young junior breakout? You know, there's just so much that goes, like you said, that goes into that stuff. That doesn't have anything to do with Tyler Buckner at all. That, you know, does Joe Milton ball out this year, which then all of a sudden vaults him up in the top 10 like Anthony Richardson did? Like, now yeah. I'm hearing all the Anthony Richardson, Joe Milton comparisons now. You know, oh, it's yeah, just, it's going to come, man. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because they're the so, same yeah. size. And yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's gonna be interesting. Here's an interesting one from Tommy Guns. T Guns clocks crocs and glocks. Tommy says, Are you guys in favor of or opposed to daylight savings time? I could not care less, Tommy. I, <laughs> I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I love it every year. It's I hate it once a year and I and I and I and I love it another time of the year. I love it the time yeah, when we get, get the an extra, extra hour. hour of sleep. Yeah. I just I don't get it. I just you know you like, you could move to Arizona where they don't they don't practice it at all. Yeah, it's so. like <laughs> last night we're out to dinner and it's like eight thirty. We're leaving at, at like eight thirty. We're, we're looking out at eight thirty. We didn't leave at eight thirty, but we we looked out and there's like still sun up. And then I'm like, but then there's other parts of the year where it's like six thirty and it's like completely pitch black outside. And I just think that's very annoying. But whatever. I don't have a it strong. Is. I mean, that's my opinion. It's not something I sit around thinking about all the time. You know, like, you know there's you know, some people fun. get real passionate about this topic where I'm like, okay. You know what's funny, Brian, is I when I was setting up the Kennedy Urlacher interview before he before he before we uh, before he committed to Notre Dame, I was like I was talking to him and trying to like set up a time, and then I, luckily I remembered that Arizona was one of those weird states that doesn't change their time. So like sometimes they're two hours behind, sometimes yeah. they're three hours behind. Luckily I remembered that man. <laughs> it's weird. Like okay, which time of the year right now are we in, man? Exactly. I'm not quite sure. I'm not Thank quite God. sure where we're at. Thank God for Google, man. Thank God for Google. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Here's an interesting sh- a question I want to answer from Andre Tonsil. Have you ever thought about having a live roundtable show with viewers? I've thought about it, but it just, there's just, Andre, I'm, it's just not something I'm probably ever going to do just because number one is if I start doing that, like at, where, where do I stop? Where's the cutoff? Because we have so many long-term members. We have so many great members. It's like, let's say I had picked five. Well, what about this guy, this guy, this gal, this gal, this guy, whatever. And then I'm not bringing them on. So it's kind of like, number one, I would, I would feel bad about doing that and it could create some issues. But the big thing for me, it's like, we people want to do call-ins. Well, number one, we don't have the technology for it. And if we did, I probably still wouldn't do it because for every 99 people that would be phenomenal and ask real questions and engage, there'd be that one guy that wants to say or do something stupid that gets me in trouble. And now all of a sudden our show's demonetized. That's the great thing about radio is that they yeah. have that, they have that little window right. of delay, right. right? Where it's like, if this guy says something stupid, I can get him off the air real quick. So right. you don't have to, you know, you can right. it out. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, yeah. and we don't have the ability to do that. Now, if we ever got to the point where our company grows enormously and we can do stuff like that and we have the, Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I'd have no problem doing that, but uh, there's things I've thought about doing. 
it just is one of those things where it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's, it's just where I'm at is I, I would say like, I want to have like a member co-host a show one day, but then it's like, but then where do I stop? And then do I offend people that I don't ask to do that? Does it show favoritism? Like, because we don't just have like five OGs on here, Ryan, we have a bunch, yeah. we have a bunch of people who have been here from day one. And then a lot of people that aren't from day one guys, but when they did get on with us, they've been loyal and hear every show. And, um, you know, that, that, that's the thing, but I mean, there'd be a lot of fun stuff to do. I haven't completely ruled it out. It's just right now with where we are from our technology of what I can afford. It's just not something that would, that I think would, would be, uh, something that we're going to do anytime soon. Yeah. You know, you know, what's cool that I saw that one podcast did is that people sent in like an audio clip and then they would play it during the show. It'd be like a, a call in question, but like not yeah. actually live call in. You know what I'm saying? Like interesting stuff like that. But yeah. you know what I have thought about doing, though, Ryan, is yeah. do things like, um, you know, we have our staff prediction show. Mm-hmm. I have thought about doing things where uh, I, I open I open up, say, hey, look, here's my email. Give me. Give me your score prediction and give me a couple paragraphs. And I want to pick the, you know, 20 best and put them in a, you know, Irish breakdown fan predictions article, something like that. I've thought about doing something like that, that I thought would be really cool. Yeah. But just because I do want to do things that show love to our, our people. Cause we have a great community. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm hoping like I didn't chase Bailey Brad out of here. Cause I jumped on him earlier, but he has so many great questions. And then it's like, you know, but it's, we have a great community. And I just would, number one, I would be, would not want to make some people feel bad because we don't choose them. Right. And, and, but there are things I'd love to do where we do some stuff like that, you know, where we, where we do sort of have a, you know, so why we, we, we were doing the mailbag for a while, you know, that was pretty cool to, to have that where we, you know, we give people's names in an article, things like that. So, you know, there's, there's things I'm thinking of. I just don't know if like on a show where I can't control that one person who's going to say something that's going to get us in big trouble or say something really dumb that, uh, yeah, I, that I could, I could, impossible. I could screen them all before the show. I just, I yeah. want to get, I want to get, I want to get someone like Archer one-on-one. I want to ask him a bunch of questions. Just grill yeah. him, man. Be like, tell me yeah. everything. Tell me everything. Archer. Yeah. Tell me about your life. Tell me what you want to talk about. If they have, just, if they, if they have bad intentions, they're just going to say what you want to hear and, and then still do it. So, but, Archer uh, would never. Archer would yeah. never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now there, there are things I want to do, uh, you know. That, but always, Andre, always bring those suggestions because somebody's going to have a suggestion one of these times. They're like, you know what? I think we could do that. Like somebody brought up something today, and I, I already asked my wife about it. Somebody said on the message board asked. It was like a bit. I always laugh. I always kind of like chuckle when someone's like, hey, I have a business idea for him. Like, OK, this is going to be interesting because a lot of them are just like, OK, yeah, I don't think you've really thought like what goes into me doing something like that. But the guy made this suggestion. Could you do something where if I convince a friend to sign up that he enters my you know handle on there, you know, in like a yeah. promo code type of thing? And and for every person I get to sign up, I get points. But if I get a certain amount of points, I get a free year membership or something like, you know. And I was like, you know, I wouldn't do a free year membership because that would get hard to track. But, you know, it'd be awesome. Like, so if you signed up five people, right, if and, and you know, p- five people sign up for an annual membership and they use your put your name in the handle every five memberships that you sign up, I'll send you a free hat and shirt. Right. I be hat and I be shirt like that, that's a great idea. I never thought about that. You know what I mean? Like, so so always keep those ideas coming. 
like the thing for the mug club, right? That we do, or the the IB club mugs and shirts that we do. That was actually somebody else's idea. I never thought of that, but I'm like, dude, that's a great idea because if you're signing up for a an, a, a Shamrock membership, yes, I'm eating the cost of sending you the mug, but I'm still making I'm still making money off of that because you're you're doing you're being a boot because the premise was, well, I'm I'm joining this as a booster club to support you, right? So you're making money above and beyond what I would normally pay for a membership. Maybe there'd be something cool to incentivize people to join that. And I was like, you know, it's a really, really good idea. Yeah. And so that's when we came up with the, the the club, the mug, the IB club mug and the shirt and all that other kind of stuff. So I'm always open to those ideas. It just, just don't get mad if I don't take it. Cause sometimes it's a great idea, but something may not be practical. So Andre, I appreciate you, you bringing that up. And, and I've appreciated the people that have brought up like, doing a call in show. Cause if I can control it, like we do a radio show, then it'd be fine. But I, I can't have Ryan do that because Ryan's got all these other, you have to literally hire someone who that's all they do is screen and produce. And we're just not there yet as a company. We're not really even close to there as a company. Maybe someday we will be, that'd be pretty awesome. But uh, right now we're not, but I do appreciate I, the suggestion. I, Cause you know what suggestions are to me, Ryan? Yeah. They care. Yeah. They care about what we're doing and they, they, they want, Hey, maybe we can do something that's even more fun and make you grow and all that. And, that means more to anything to me than anything is that you care enough about us to make a suggestion that you think might help us grow and get better. Whether I take I, it or not, I, that's on me. But man, I, I love where the heart is on stuff like that. I really do. I really I, do. I, I still I still want Tommy to be able to call in though and be like, hey, Tommy, uh, first time caller, long time listener. And then yes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> first time, long time. <laughs> and, that would be amazing. That'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. Patrick Fleming said, I drank my morning coffee out of my IB mug today. That's Same. awesome. And then Jay Clamp and Investments love my mug and shirt because he is a Gold Club member, <laughs> which we certainly appreciate. We certainly do. Uh, let's see here. Hunter Land asks, similar, would you ever do an all IB crew show in person when everyone is together? Kind of like how LL did before the spring game. Probably not. Not because I wouldn't want to, but it's just hard to get everybody there you yeah. know and and um i i would have certain quality i would want the quality to be good I, i'll just say this i've had a couple people reach out to me about us kind of doing like a television show type of thing and so far i rebuff that and but part of the reason is like oh, i can't have vince on like very often because he's his job you live in new jersey sean lives in illinois i mean me and sean Styers are the only ones that live around here you know so um I'm not opposed to that. There's a lot of different things I've thought about. I, like one thing I want to do someday, and I don't know when that's going to happen or how it's going to work, but I want to do our Friday show on location somewhere. I'd love to be able to do that. It's just that require for me, for it to be the production that I want it to be, the quality that I want it to be. Cause Ryan, you know how anal I get about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, he's like, yeah, I know. Including an old show. <laughs> I didn't even have a reaction, um, man. I didn't even have a no, reaction. I'm saying in your head. I mean, I would have the reaction if I were you. No, the um, only thing going to my mind right now is that there was a big thing of thunder that just I happened. I didn't know it was a thunder like or a plane was going Yeah, no, that was, was that, that was thunder, thunder man. That, that was like thunder, an airplane yeah. going over that top. That was loud, dude. I was wow, like, that was really loud. Oh. Um, I was like, yeah, um, the gods are bowling right now. Yeah, like, it's for real. There. But I think, an on, I think an on-location Friday pregame show would be awesome. You know, like, let's do it at a pizza place or a, I mean, that'd be great. But again, you get in the same problem as you get someone that wants to act a fool. And like now everybody just wants their two minutes of fame, even if it's the fame of them being a moron, you know, them being 
seen it by lots of people acting like a moron is them not is better than them not being seen, which is nuts. And so those would be the only the only drawbacks. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that that I think would be a lot of fun. Uh, oh yeah. man, Joe Papiti just told me that rain's coming through Delaware right now, so I'm probably about to get hit hard. Sorry, man. bro. I don't Sorry, like that. don't like hate, that. Hate it. Hate it. Let's get to some more questions before you uh you you, you lose power. You lose power. Yeah. 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 There you go. Let's 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 get to some of these, Ryan. Here we go. From Andy Estimate Trucking LLC. Brian didn't steal the, the thunder on that one this time for saying that name, which is fun. J- I, you know what? I'm trying to get better at letting you read those because yes, I yes. like I always tell you before every show, okay, Ryan, I'm gonna bring the name up and then yep. I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna have you say it. And then what happens like by the third you one? It's great like, okay, we've got one from and I'm just I'm sorry, man. We've had a lot of great names on this show though, man. What, whatever happened to uh what was it? Um there was there was Notre Dame barbecue. I forget what that one was called. And was God one, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, Notre yeah, yeah, Dame yeah. barbecue. God country, country. Notre Dame God. barbecue. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think he left uh, the show, unfortunately. Yeah. Gotcha. Or well, here's the name. question from Notre Dame ND estimate trucking LLC who says JD Bertrand, Howard Cross, and Jordan Battello combined for 25 plus tackles for loss, and Holton Stace leads the tight end room in production. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I will just say this. I would hope that the production would be a lot more than 25. Honestly, if we're talking about those three guys, including J.D. Bertrand, who's been close to 10 each of the last two years. Yeah, like nine talking, this year, right? Yeah, nine and a half. Right. Like and he missed basically a full game because of ejections. Yeah. Because he missed, what, two, two halves, full halves, two plus halves. a little bit more of another. Yep. You'd hope that Batelho is around 10. and you know, so I hope it's closer to 30 with that trio, yeah. but it wouldn't shock me. It, no. it, it re- I mean, Howard Cross, if he's used correctly, is is um, a very disruptive player. So, yeah, I, uh, I'd i be cool with that. Holden Stace leads a tight end room in production. I, I would say, I wouldn't say you're wrong. I'd say if I was predicting, I'd probably pick Mitchell Evans, but, you know, he's got to stay healthy, first of all. Yeah. But I don't think you're wrong. I think Holden Stace is a very talented player. I think and I think that's where you want to be as a staff, right? Right? Like we're, it, when you've arrived as a program is when we're sitting here in the show and we're actually having legitimate arguments about, no, this guy's going to lead in studs. No, this guy's going to lead a product. No, 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 this guy. And it's not a silly argument because you're like, yeah, I see that. I can see that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Holden Stace mm. was the volume getter as a pass in a passing game from a tight end position. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, he's not talented, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, last year he wasn't there strength wise. He wasn't there as a route. Holden was a pretty raw player. He just got by on God-given ability in high school. He was a two-way player, so he couldn't like specialize in one area. Yeah, He had a lot of technical work in the run game, a lot of route running work was needed. But that experience is going to benefit him playing yeah. time. And you even saw in the spring, you know, there's times – well, actually, you didn't see it. When we were at practice where they had lined him lined up out wide, and there he's running routes. And you're like, he's, he's really come a long way in a short period of time as a route runner. So would I, would I tell me you're wrong? I'm not going to do that. I, I mean, I if I was predicting today, I think Mitchell Evans is the starter, and you know probably has more. Yeah. But I, I, can can Holden Stace beat out Mitchell Evans? Yeah, yeah, he can. Could Eli Raritan if he was healthy? Yeah, he could. I mean, there's a lot of talented tight ends. The only question that you and I had yesterday, Ryan, was the health because of the tight ends, Holden Stace was the only one that was healthy for the spring game, right? I mean, he was like this kind of last man standing kind of thing. Him and David Sherwood, like where everybody else was on the sidelines. Yeah, and if that continues, buddy, he's going to have a chance to be good. There's not many scholarship tight ends that I'd be surprised if they were the guy. 
this yeah. year tight end. I mean, the, 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 it's a talented, talented room. Just unproven and and so far a bit injury prone outside of Holden Stace, to be honest with you. Yeah. Breaking breaking news. It sounds like the day after tomorrow outside right now, which is yeah. wild. So. <laughs> <laughs> Another good movie, good. by the way. Another good yeah. movie. Oh, is the day after tomorrow. Is that the one with uh, Dennis Quaid? Dennis Quaid, yep. Okay, yep. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. That was a good one, man. I liked it. Yeah, I liked 2012 a little bit better. I thought that was a little bit more entertaining. I've never seen two Because they came around about the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't love John Cusack as an actor, to be completely honest with you. But, you know, he... he but in that one, I thought he's pretty good. That was they were both pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and it's funny as you'll read these reviews where they're just like, well, that's not really what would happen. I'm like, guys, I don't care. It's a movie. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't care if that would actually happen. Well, scientifically, if this were to happen, it wouldn't go like I'm like, I don't care. It's a fun movie. Uh, I love that when I watch a uh watch one of the Marvel movies and Caitlin's like, that's very unrealistic. I'm like, oh, there's something unrealistic yeah. in a like, superhero movie. <laughs> like you've seen Hulk on camera ten times, and that's the thing you're objecting to. Like, yeah. okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> God. Speaking of, of Marvel, I tried to do the She-Hulk this week. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a fair shake. And I need to try it. Half halfway through the first episode, I was like, nope, I'm out. I couldn't. I couldn't even get through half of an episode. It was the, one of the lamest things I've ever seen in my life. I didn't even try it, man. Yeah, and I've actually I, liked some of the. I like some of the shows that they've been doing. Yeah. more than a couple of the movies. I thought honestly. Hawkeye was pretty good. I know a lot yeah. of people ripped Hawkeye. I thought that was entertaining. I thought it was good. Man, Wandavision was dope, man. I loved Wandavision. Yeah, that was a little so. weird for me for a while. It's like they they carried that whole thing on a little far. But I mean, it's very in just some different t- turns and twists and turns. But yeah. It's hilarious when people do that when it's like a superhero movie and they'll find the most random thing like that's not realistic. Like, yeah, the flying I mean, that, guy that's... doesn't doesn't bother you, but that right, you know that that's, that's the thing that, that is that is my wife to a T, man. <laughs> that's her thing. Like, oh, oh, that that thing wouldn't do that. Oh, really, Caitlin? Yeah. But you're not worried about um, Captain Marvel flying through the through the air with lasers coming out of her it, hands in no oxygen. You know, she's breathe. <laughs> She can breathe perfectly fine outside of our atmosphere, even though she's a human. Okay, that, yeah. that doesn't bother you, but this, this, yeah, those yes. are always funny. Yeah, those are always hilarious. Just in, it's just, it's a movie. It's like when it's a movie about, I've heard people say, well, The Patriot wasn't really historic. I mean, it was a great movie. I don't need it to be point for point for point accurate unless you're claiming that it is. Like if you're claiming that this is a true historical, we're going to stay true to the story and all that, that's fine. That's different. It's like I've watched the series called The Chosen, which I think is phenomenal. And I think they do a pretty good job of saying to the Bible. But at the very beginning, they say, look, some things were added to kind of make the story go. Right. Because we don't know some context of some of the stories in the Bible. Right. So in order to make it a story in the manner in which they do it, they have to, you know, make some characters that weren't real people or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, so what? I'm good with that. Right. As long as the the heart of it, as long as you're not pretending or claiming that, hey, this is a word for word interpretation of what the actual Bible says, then, you know, I think they stay very true to it. And and I've not had any theolo- huge theological objections to it up to this point in time. It's very entertaining. Yeah. And and I've enjoyed it. But it's just like, man, just just relax. Just chill. Or, or like the, the, my that, see, my wife does yeah. do that. You know, my wife, my wife is really good at figuring out what's going to happen in a movie like in 10 minutes. I'm actually really good which at is, that. Which I'm is fine. Yeah. But keep that crap to yourself. <laughs> you right. I mean? so it's like, well, now the rest of the movie freaking more. Because she's so good at it. When she says it, I pretty much know that. I'm like, well, all right, turn it off. That's it. Like, yeah. I don't want to see it now. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know like, what the, yeah. Oh, so I, do you want me to tell you? I'm like, no, I don't want you to tell me. Like In 15 years of marriage, if I ever told you I want to know what's going to happen, I want to actually enjoy the movie. 
you, you, you yeah. did tell Angela a story is rising action to the climax to yes. the falling action. Don't ruin yes. it in the rising action. Exactly. Come on. I know you're wicked smart, and I know you figured it out, but let me enjoy. She said, well, you haven't figured it out yet, so I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm trying to watch the movie. Uh, My my, brain's working nonstop. I want to just enjoy the movie. Caitlin's also one of those that does the research after the movie, right? So it's like you watch Friday Night Lights, for instance. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, do you know that Dallas Carter actually killed Odessa Permian in that state championship game? I'm like, I don't care. It's still a good movie. That doesn't change. So I'm with her on some of that stuff. Like if it's a if it's based on a true story, there is some stuff. Like when I watch Kingdom of Heaven, have you ever seen Kingdom of Heaven? No, I it's with uh, or it's from a, a while ago, but it's had Orlando Bloom and Jeremy Irons is in it, and uh, Eve is it Eve Green? I think her name is. Uh, but um, I like I know some of that stuff was historically based, so I wanted to read and okay, what was actual historically based and what wasn't, and, yeah. But uh, but I want to do that on my own. I don't want you to do it and then come tell me about it, right? If I wanted to know if that actually happened, I would want to. I would want you to tell me. But I did not know that. You said Dallas Carter killed Permian. Oh uh, yeah, it was like it was like thirty something to nothing or something. <laughs> Dallas Carter that year was just like steamrolling. Does the, like was, does the movie make it seem like it was there. a good game, like a close game? Oh yeah, yeah. They were okay. um, they were a they were like a yard away from winning the football game, basically. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. But in reality, they 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 what? Okay, that's interesting. yeah. I, I looked it up before too because they had like a they actually had a director's cut afterwards where they talked about like they actually interviewed like Booby Miles and those actual mm-hmm. guys or whatever. And I mean, some of it was fictional, obviously. I mean, a lot of it. Right. Well, the players were the players, but they were played different positions and different stuff like that. But yeah, Od- uh, Odessa got smacked by Dallas Carter. Yeah. It was like something to nothing or something to seven. Like, yeah, they got killed. Yeah. Interesting. I still haven't seen that movie yet. That's like my top gun for you. So no doubt. No doubt. I mean, right, I, mean, I, mean I, I, I mean, I would say that's one of the best movies of all time. So I think you're even worse than me on that. In no. that regard. So no, no, <laughs> no. not even no. close. Okay. okay. I'm close. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com